0: The Pard Network. Hello and welcome to episode 247 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, On the show, we have the fantastic JP Watts, otherwise known as John Watts, on to talk about his debut movie, and it is the rather brilliant First World War film, The War Below, which is out now. Is out on TV on the 11th of November, but everywhere else, it is available. Go seek this movie out. It is incredible. On this week's ep with JP uh, slash John, we talked about this film, how it came about, how he co-wrote The War Below and why connections in filmmaking are vitally important. He also talks about how he got the money for The War Below and why he did the VFX himself. He also goes in depth about why casting directors are important, why you should have an assistant Assembly editor on set and how it felt to direct your own feature film. But before we get there, the co-host today, it is his debut as a co-host. You have heard his voice before. He has been quietly editing the podcast in the background, sometimes not so quietly, <laughs> for you wonderful people. It is the fantastic Tobias He's on The Real Vegas Podcast. Yay! Here, to- Toby will insert a huge cheer. Uh, I imagine so. That's what he does. <laughs> Welcome,
1: Toby. Hello. hello Welcome. Hello.
0: This is amazing. Yeah. The first time you've uh, the podcast.
1: Hearing my own voice. Probably I'm not going to be in the episode just editing myself out. <laughs> like,
0: you know what? I'm an idiot. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> so uh, tell people who you
1: are. Tell people what you do. I'm the editor of the Filmmakers Podcast. Hey! But, uh, yeah, but actually, but actually... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an up-and-coming writer, director and screenwriter. Yeah. Yes, you are. I've written scripts with Charles yep. before and working on some lovely scripts, getting them out there, trying to pitch them. You're in that place where you've made
0: lots of shorts, you've made promos yeah. and you're about to make your first feature and I really think you are going it's going to happen soon. I'm gonna help you. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, Toby's amazing. Amazing person, amazing writer. And it's finally we've got you on to host. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the nice words. <laughs> so what did you take away from... So enough about you. So yeah. what did we take away? Let's get some, to what, some more
1: interesting people. Yeah, more interesting
0: <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> What did you take away uh, from this week's episode with John, JP Watts?
1: Oh, the conversation was so great. I really enjoyed talking to JP. Brilliant writer, director. We watched this film yesterday and I loved it. It's a stunning film mm-hmm. and you guys should check it out and uh, share it and support him in any way you can. Yeah, The War Below,
0: it's set during World War One about a group of British miners uh, who were recruited to tunnel underneath no man's land to set bombs off to save the war, uh, to save Britain, basically. Hopefully. It's brilliant. It's so well made. It stars Sam Hazeldean, Tom Goodman-Hill, Chris Hitchin, Elliot James Langridge, who has starred in so many films of the directors and producers who've been on this podcast. uh, Sam Clement and Joseph Stein, to name a few. Oh, Andrew Scarborough, who, bizarrely, I did amateur dramatics with when I was about 14. Yeah, I only figured this out the other day. Andrew, you won't be listening, but if you are, hey, buddy. let's let's reconnect Uh, so yeah amazing cast really cool uh, brilliant film DOP'd marvellously by Nick Cook who has just shot Jessica Hennicks new short film Bus Girl which will be out soon. So yeah, it's an amazing episode, so full of information. Honestly, you're going to love this one. Get your pens and pencils ready. Mm,
1: so many tips and tricks. Oh, Charles. Yes? I see you're not in your usual room recording this episode. No. Where are you?
0: Ah, oh, I am in Rebellion Studios actually. Oh. My good producer pal Emma Biggins. She now uh, is part of Rebellion Films and TV and animation and gaming place which is exactly what Rebellion is. They're mainly known for making games but they Mm. also now make films and TV and I've been up here chatting to Emma and Ben about their slate and their latest films and they showed me around their studios that they have here. It's near Oxford and it is incredible and it's just full of so much space. If you've got an indie film at the moment, I'd really highly recommend getting in touch with Rebellion about the spaces they've got here. They're very welcoming to indie films at the moment and they're very kindly let me record the podcast in here because i was speaking to them so much i went oh guys i'm never going to get home in time to record the podcast with jp do you mind and they went yeah no problem how cool is that so i've got the run of the place right now i might just go make a film while i'm here but it's great look look 'em them up rebellion publishing is what it'll be publishing.com but amazing space there yeah So, yes, a shout out to those guys. Thank you, Emma. Biggins. Nice. Oh, oh, and on Friday, we've got a special, haven't we, Toby? Yeah, we've got a special. What's what's the special about, Charles? (laughs) Thank you for asking. This Friday, we have a special for you. We are coming up to our 250th episode. and We're trying to get uh, a very special guest for you. We might not. It might not happen. But on Friday, we have a really special guest for you. It is the Hollywood star, Alice Eve uh, and our wonderful host Dom Lemoire sat down and had a chat with her so that is coming up for you on Friday and also on Tuesday Toby we have on The Makers of Repeat which is the new sci-fi movie which is out on Monday this coming Monday the 11th and they'll be on on Tuesday it is Richard and myself uh, who produced it with Lucinda Rhodes Tacra and also it looks like we're going to have Tom England the star of that and with any luck Charlotte Ritchie as well. Fingers crossed. So that is coming up for you next Tuesday. So look out for that. But repeat is out. I'll repeat it again. (laughs) Repeat is out on Monday the 11th uh, and then also the 15th in the US as well. It's Ace. It's such a brilliant sci-fi made for next to nothing, made for peanuts. We're going to tell you all about how we did that next week. So Friday's Ali's Eve. But right now, Toby, shall we get to the episode with JP John
1: Watts? Right. let's get to it
0: woohoo sit back relax and enjoy so, uh, that's mine <laughs> that's my word enjoy and enjoy toby's debut thank him on twitter How are you doing? You right. Yeah, all is good, mate. All is very good. Are you good. gearing up for
2: release? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been released in the UK, um, but not in America yet. So that's good. So, you know, it's the same as everything, isn't it? You know, some people like, some people don't like. It's just, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? So, uh, but in, in general, yeah, I'm, you know, we're, pl- we're pleased with how it's going. So, uh,
0: yeah, it's all good. Good. No, I'm. Ple- you know what it's like, though, isn't it? You build do this whole build-up for a release, and you're like, yeah, it's coming out. And then it sort of comes out, and you go... Okay. Yeah, what's <laughs> next? Exactly. Yeah. It's such a weird experience. You kind of it think is. there's going to be some sort of bells and whistles and something happens, but nothing really happens. It comes exactly. out. I'm in Rebellion Studios. I'm in their studios in Oxford right now. It's amazing here. Yeah. Hence why these, there's these cool posters behind me. Look at that.
2: Right, yours looks really cool behind you. I've got film books. Film books are amazing. There's so
0: many good film books out there. Normally I'd be in my office and I could whiz through all the film books and we could go, read that one, seen that one, seen that one. <laughs> um, just looked at the pictures of uh, <laughs> these songs. There's so many amazing film books. Was there any that inspired you? Was there any that you really took something from for our listeners that go, oh yeah, I'll read that one?
2: I mean, to be honest with you, uh, most of the books I have, they're either scripts of films or they're writing books. Um, but I love reading film scripts. I know, uh, you know obviously I like, love watching films, but I think mm. the scripts are amazing, especially... I've got the Batman trilogy and my favourite ones to read and I read them over and over and over again. Cool. Because if you're, if you are you know, being a director or a writer or any member of crew, to read the script is something amazing, especially if you haven't seen the mm. film already because you can imagine what you would do with it. Um, and obviously for a writer, it's extremely important to see how other people are doing it that are probably a bit better than you or, you know, better in their careers than, sure. than you are at the minute. Yeah. Um, and just seeing how people do it and, you know, I think, just looking at things like that are amazing or even looking at reference books you know if for this one we we bought nearly every world war one picture reference book we could find mm-hmm. and went through it especially with our dop said could we do something like this or oh, we like this image how could we then maybe bring this in and stuff like that so anything to do with references or other films that you like the framing and that kind of thing it's also important so Yeah, get every book you can possibly get, is what I say. Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's so true. I really like what you said there about reading scripts. I mean, I get scripts sent all the time. We get people, friends, whatever, someone online sending scripts. A lot of the time we'll read them. You go, okay, so it's really good to read them. But actually, it's a really good point you made. I haven't read an Oscar winning script for a while. Some of these might be. (laughs) going <laughs> <screen. laughs> <Just laughs> scripts
2: <laughs>
0: just saying but i actually haven't done what you've done and i think that's a really clever idea what do you
2: get from it what do you
0: learn from those scripts that you can bring to your own
2: as a writer obviously it's uh, every time you're going to make a film the first step is to get someone to read your film and mm-hmm. finance it so they have to see it in their heads they have to read it and visualize it in their head so if you can see how the best people are doing it then that's obviously gonna help you, isn't it? And to say, yeah, I can see how they go from scene to scene without just a horrible cut. They've linked this scene through through either audio or a visual cue or something. And just little things like that, that you can say, right, I've got it. I can then bring that into my own work. And I'm not saying copy it, but you know, taking those inspirations from how they've done things and say, right, I need to put that into my, my work. Pick your favourite films, pick your favourite writers, uh, favourite directors, and just read it and see, is it the same as it was in the film? I mean, I read Interstellar before I ever watched the film, mm. um, and it was completely different to how I visualised it, to how he did it, but you know, equally were great. And it's really interesting to see how it's progressed from an early draft to a later draft to a production draft and see what changes they've made and maybe why they've made it. And then you can look at your own work um, and say, should I change things to make it you know, uh, uh, better? And how they've changed, maybe they've looked at character, maybe they've changed an arc or something like that can I look to do that myself? And would that make it better? Mm-hmm. So it's all these kind of things that you wouldn't naturally do that from reading the scripts, you get used to it and you get used to the flow of the scripts and used to how, you know, reading some great dialogue, you go, yeah, that's brilliant dialogue. And then you read your own dialogue and go, yeah, I have to change my dialogue. <laughs> so do you see what I mean? So it's things like that, that you wouldn't know otherwise just mm. by watching the film. Mm. Toby, do you, do you read famous scripts?
1: Yeah, especially before writing a script. I usually try to find similar movies and similar scripts and see how they did it in terms of structure, but also in terms of how how it's literally written, How which words did they use, how is it translating to the visuals. It's really important for horror, for example, to convey to the reader that they can get that it's a horror film, and now it's a suspense scene and stuff like that. So really, see how it's really written on the page. Things like Alien did that
2: with with, with, with the white paint, with the, the space between. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. So you know, they would have like a couple of words, then they'd have you know a new paragraph, a couple more words, new paragraph. Especially when Ripley was going up into the into the ceiling or what have you. So you're creating. These kind of jumps and these scare bits and this by using the actual formatting of the page as well as what you're writing. So it's things like that that you wouldn't know by watching the film. Obviously, you, you get the tension, but how do you get that onto a page? Well, you can do it with words, you can do it with spacing, you can do it with you know, the white space around the words. Nobody likes to read big paragraphs. Everybody hates reading big paragraphs. So <laughs> split it up into you know um, different shots, almost by every every shot you're doing, especially in a horror or something or an action you can break it down and that that is so much better to read it's so much quicker to read as well and then you know the producers will go through it and say yep yeah, this is a good read this is a quick read and they're not having to slog for an hour and a half you know 3 hours through a, a, a short script it, it's not fun to read one of these huge chunks totally the scripts you get sent and and a lot of the time the the action
0: sections of it and not the action where it's fighting but they're called the action line isn't it which is mm. a describing section and Johnny Grant very much who, who co-wrote The Dare with me and he's gone on to write some amazing scripts he very much says it should never be more than three lines I struggle with that and you know I end up trying to cut bits or take a <laughs> full stop out you know what I mean you were like Toby on bits and pieces we've written together and I'm literally yeah. like if we take the dot out it now becomes three lines instead of four <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean I, I would say probably three to
2: four like, it's, no, I it's, it's a good rule. Yeah. It's yeah. a good At all. least trying. Yeah. trying, exactly. To, yeah. Just yeah.
0: writing random stuff, and hey, she feels exactly. this way. She turns that way, and she does. No, no, no. You, you can condense it for the reader, and it's so important when you're yeah. trying to raise money for your film or get an actor involved that it is a quick read. It means that they liked mm. it. It was a page turner rather than it being a slog turner. Um, yeah. And I always think yeah. it's really important to get your scripts below. 90 pages, as, as if you can, or 90 pages thereabouts. It's horrible when you get a script and it's 120 pages. You're like, oh, please no. It
2: does. It really hurts your heart. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, you know, producers will get a lot of scripts. You know, I mean, they're inundated with scripts. So if, you, if you've got one that's 95, 90, 95 mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. 100 pages versus one that's 120, 130, oh. and it's got big chunks in it, you're no. never going to read that no. one. You're going to read the smaller one, aren't you? You are. you are. So that it's just natural. So you're, you're, you're hurting your own chances. Yeah. By doing that. Although yes. you think it's it's creating more of a mood and stuff, you're not. You're ruining your chances.
0: Did you do the same there with Thomas Woods, your co-writer
2: on The War Below? How was your process working with him? Well, we've, we've worked together for oh, nearly 20 years. So we know each other inside out kind of thing. So what uh. we tend to do is... We won't work in the same room. Not that I don't like him. You know, he's one of my best friends, but we don't work <laughs> in the same room. We, we came up with the idea together because I'd found the idea when it was towards the centenary um, mm-hmm. and I'd seen this article and I thought this was great I sent it to Tom and Tom said, yeah, this, you know, this, this sounds brilliant. Let's go with this. So we kind of, we plan it all out And then we send it to each other and then we use, we call it the red pen and we just scrub things out. that's rubbish. Do this, do this. And we change it and send it backwards and forwards a lot. Um, And then one of us, I usually tend to write act one and then I'll send it over. He'll have a look and then we'll go backwards and forwards again. But there's things, what I like about working with a writing partner is there's things that he's better at. And there's things that I am better Mm. at. He comes up with weird and random kind of action set scenes, set, um pieces and things sexy like
0: that. sexy scenes sexy scenes <laughs> random sexy scenes
2: but you know so he's great at still coming up with with things like that and i'm probably a bit better with the dialogue and and that kind of thing so between us we work really well together i think mm. if we worked individually it wouldn't be as good because you know you think oh, yeah, i am writing some great stuff here But then you give it to someone else and go, well, I didn't really come across very well. Or I think you could write it better if you changed it like this. So for me, working with a a writing partner is pretty essential because it cuts down a lot as well. It cuts down a lot of the rewrites. It cuts down a lot of the the extra time it's going to take because you've got a second person always looking over your your stuff as well so yep. we kind of work separate but we work together if that makes I any sense i much
0: prefer working with a, a co-writer myself and toby we have worked on a couple of projects together and i prefer it i like sharing final draft as well i know you say you, you write one act and then send it to someone else and backwards and forwards whereas i i, I like to be live with the final yeah. draft system now you can be live so you can both be watching it one of you types and then you swap over after 10 minutes or someone gets stuck and goes oh i've got a line here i like that way of working and work that way with other people as well as toby and i really enjoy it i feel yeah. free because i when i'm on my own i do worry that i'm just going to get stuck or get lost or someone exactly. else would just say yeah. well, no no it's, it's alright just write this for now let's come back to it
2: yeah yeah but yeah. It, it, it holds you accountable as well because yes. you know yes. it's like sometimes you procrastinate over everything yeah you know, I, I'm terribly procrastinating <laughs> exactly everyone's the same you find yourself on YouTube watching some I don't know pimple popper or something yeah. it's like well, how did I get here yeah. but when you have like a writing partner they're like well if you get this done by the end of the week then I can look at it and then we can do mm. it. so it does hold you accountable and it makes me do things because sometimes I can be quite procrastinating in stuff and I'm, I'm a bit bad like that. So mm. it is really helpful to me for that as well. Do
1: you outline together then before getting onto the page? Because you're writing individually. So are you ad- outlining together? Are you writing a treatment together? How does it work? We have a very set structure, the way that we
2: do things. So we <laughs> know uh, uh, structure is one of these things, isn't it? Which some people really like, some people don't. We do, we have a very specific way that we will write. We know how many beats that we're going to have mm-hmm. for each. Because we, we do things in kind of like 4X. We do Act 1, we do Act 2, Part 1, Act 2, Part 2, and then Act 3. So we split it into four things with yeah. the midpoint, obviously, in the middle. We kind of do structure everything down so um, that we know what we're going and then we can swap those things really early and really easily. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to stay like that. It means that, <laughs> you know, it's still going to evolve. But for us to have that backbone there that we can come back to is much better because we, we have tried before, oh, let's just write and see where it goes and that just ended up in a complete nightmare. I'm mm-hmm. sure some people can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they can. I can't. I need to have like a roadmap of where I'm going then I know where I'm going. I can change stuff around if I want to. Yeah, we do that and then I'll say, okay, you you, you go and do you know, this part of Act 2 or look at these few scenes. How can you make this one better? And we just kind of swap it around. So... Sometimes we do things backwards, and we do Act Three first, and then we go back. It's you know, it's all different, really.
0: Did you have a deadline on the War Below? Because it does, ha- yes. I like a deadline. I mean, me and Toby know about deadlines. It's like, you've got two weeks, rewrite <laughs> Wait, it, um, it okay. Oh. It's, it's funny you say that <laughs>
2: because the producers that we did this with, are the brilliant guys, Chris, Luis, and, and, and Will, mm. um, we actually sent them this idea because they said, we've got a, we've got some investors and we've got a bit of money. We want to make something in the UK. Okay. Have you got any ideas? So we said, well, we've got this idea, which we've kind of come up with. We'd written about eight pages. And I said, it told them the idea. And they said, oh, that's great. That's great. Can you just make a little um video so we could show them, a like, kind of like sizzle reel that we could like then just just show them? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did. And they the investors loved it. And they said, okay, great. When can we see the rest of the script? And I said, well, what did you tell them? They said, oh, well, we told them three weeks. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, so it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we wrote it all in three weeks, wow. the first draft. Great. And then... You know, and so then there was changes after that. But yeah, the first draft took three weeks, but that, I wouldn't want to particularly do that again. Uh, it was a bit, of a bit of a nightmare. It's a
0: kick bollock scramble, but what it does is it literally kick bollock scrambles you to yeah. write it because otherwise you'd procrastinate and go, oh, and yeah. then something would come up and you exactly. do it later. And oh, in a week's time, suddenly they get another job or you get another job and you're out. And then exactly. suddenly you've got to come back in six months time and try and do it. But actually here, what happened was you had a deadline and therefore suddenly if you make this deadline, your film might actually happen. That's a huge incentive for a filmmaker. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And so, so I suppose looking back now, even though it's frightening, it must've been a real opportunity that you clearly took with both hands. Talk us through that process because
2: that's what a lot of filmmakers would be going. How did you do it? It took me many, many years to be honest with you. We've been trying for an awful lot, long Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. to, to, to get something made. And, as you guys know, especially in the UK, the funding, it's not there, it's for, not there. for most people. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, and this one wasn't. This was American funding. But what I think is the most important, especially if you're if you're starting out, is starting to make connections because it's, the, it's people that make films. It's great to get your script into a competition or something like that, but that's not likely to get a film out of that usually. But you can meet people that can then down the line, you can work with and you can chat to, say, oh, hi, how are you doing? You remember me, I was doing this. And th- this was the what happened with us because we met Chris and Luis after a short we did um, and they got in touch and we chatted. We actually sent over the script for the short we made, which was meant to be like a feature. Was that The Lost Emperor? It was. And it was, and th- to be honest with you, the script was terrible. It was, it was awful. It was <laughs> a terrible script. And <laughs> but
0: it's good to be honest about it this was, now, it, was it? it was.
2: It was one of our first, you know, it was about 11, 12 years ago now, but it was one of our first scripts and it was awful. Um, but Chris came back and he was like, Look, I like you guys. I like what you've done. But this is awful. Your, te- your script <laughs> isn't good. <laughs> and I liked his honesty. I was like, Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So that's why we went away and we thought, How do we script right properly? And we we read all the books, did it? And it's like, oh, right, okay. Everything is about contacts and make. And nobody has them to start off. I mean, they're based nope. in LA um, and Georgia. I was in Oxford and then I'm in Derby. So it's not the same place, but you don't have to be in LA. You don't have to be in London. I don't live in London. I don't live in LA. I haven't been to LA for years and years and years. I don't go to New York. So this is kind of something that people always get this... Thing, I'm not going to be able to do it because I don't live in these places or I don't run in these same circles is there's the internet there's emails mm-hmm. just start chatting to people and trying to get your name out there. Yeah, you're so right. It's so important. My mine
0: was 10 years. My trying to make a feature as a director was 10 years. Yeah. And it was 10 years of pain and going down the wrong holes, but meeting people and meeting the right people, mm. but meeting the wrong people. So now I know they're the wrong people. At the time exactly. you didn't know, you thought they were the right people. And that's yeah. only experience and learning, but you have to be in the mix. To even be part of that cake, you know, yeah. it's so important to put yeah. yourself out there, as you say.
1: Can you tell us what's the what is the film about, and then we'll play the trailer. The War Below is about a group of
2: uh, miners who they actually dug under no man's land um, to set off the the, the biggest man made bombs in history to break the deadlock that was going on in World War One. So I'd never personally heard of this story before. I always thought whenever you watch a World War One film, it's about people in the trenches waiting to go over the top. I didn't know that there were people digging under no man's land and then there were Germans digging the other way. And it's kind of a cat and mouse story. So it was something we hadn't heard before. Number of characters. 40,000. We are losing this war.
0: How can that be?
2: Sir, to break the German line, we need to do something new, something different, something the Hun will never see coming. And
0: you'd have such a thing? Yes, sir. I believe I do.
2: The Germans have built bunkers 30 feet below ground level, and we've thrown everything we've got at them and nothing. We're going to tunnel under no man's land, blow the enemy to kingdom come.
0: I don't want to see what this has to do with us. We don't have the expertise, but you men do. I'm going there to dig. Why you? They need people who can dig the clay. Don't
2: they have miners over there or something?
0: It's my duty, my responsibility.
2: Your responsibility is to be here with your family.
0: I didn't realize that meant putting our war effort into the hands of uneducated, untrained civilians.
2: Give me four months. Can you do it in time? I don't know.
0: We're the only crew that can Without us, those tunnels are gonna fail. He's gonna break! Press the walls! We check the tunnel. There's some faint sounds scraping. It looks like the Germans are digging now, too. The Germans know we're coming. We shall not give our enemies one foot of soil. This is successful. Could change the face of the war.
2: I hope to God no one ever has to see a place like this again. But to do that, the job's gotta be finished. And I believe we're the only ones can do it.
0: Gentlemen, tonight we may not make history. But we'll certainly change the bloody geography. We do this, the war's over. And there's a trailer for you, and it is quite simply incredible. Uh, It's a really cool movie. The concept itself is great. The title of the movie is great, The War Below. And the posters I've seen as well, I've been like, the the two of them are both blow my mind. I've been like, they're really good posters. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it, but I'm like... Yeah, yeah, I get what this movie is and I like them a lot. So, yes, basically, well done. It's a great movie. It's really exciting and it's really well made. Performances are strong across the board. And I think people should see this because it shows what you can do on a limited budget. It shows what you can get from clever camera work, uh, brilliant acting and confined spaces. (laughs) the joy of confined spaces yeah exactly we were talking about um where the idea came from and the fact that your your team uh chris and louis saying hey we can make this so what happened next let's dive into case and so now you've delivered the script obviously it's first yeah. draft yes what, we did They literally go cool green lighting this what 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 actually happened how did yeah. the money come
2: together how did it happen? i mean pretty much because what what i mean what we did is is I said to them, okay, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go to all the locations because I already knew where when we were writing it where we were going to film it. I originally took up loads and loads and loads and loads of photos and I think I really annoyed them because I had about 300 photos of all these different trenches and buildings and stuff. And I sent them over. And I, bless them, I think they thought England was always like that. No, I think they, they, That's <laughs> what England is like. <laughs> it hasn't you know changed England. <laughs> it has <laughs> England, Look at They'd England, been, guys. guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's still 1917 over there. <laughs> so I, I showed them, um, we went to uh, um, the big manor house where um, Sarah Beeney used to own. So I, I filmed like I'd filmed there before. So I said, these are all the locations. Ah. And this is what each scene would kind of look like. Um, and then we took uh, some reference photos, some other films and stuff as well. said, so this is the kind of look we were going for. And so they then sent that to the investors as well with this sizzle reel, kind of the feel of the movie. <laughs> um, and they just, they said, yeah, we like that. If you can do that on that budget, let's go for it. And so th- that was it. So it was, wow. it was quite simple. Had you come up with the budget yourself
0: to be that figure or was that kind of Chris and Louis saying if you can do it for
2: are you allowed to say? Yeah it was basically in the end it was uh, 600,000 we
1: did it for and it looks gorgeous it looks like way higher budgets how did you do that? Well
2: I mean things with, with low budget films I think you've got to do either one of two things you've either got to do something that's completely different for example Saw or the Blair Witch Project you know something that is very very different if you're going to have Minimal cast. I mean, nobody wants to watch something that is just people sat in a house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Which which seems to be people think low budget, they think you have to do this. And yeah. that kind of bugs me. So you've either got to do something that's extremely different, like, you know, Soar is basically people in a house really, but it's so completely different, mm-hmm. that's why it works. Or you've got to push the boundaries, and we pushed the budget boundary because we knew that I could do the VFX. We knew that we actually, we were only lo- using four locations. We knew we wouldn't have to use that many people. So we could do it as long as we had the right crew, the Mm -hmm. right cast that would get on board. Because when you're doing small budget film, you have to have the right cast and crew. And I don't mean technical ability. I don't mean how how good they are. I mean, they have to have the right personality. They have Mm -hmm. to have the right temperament as well. Exactly, yeah. the temperament, the, the passion. We, we've all been on projects where there's that one person that's annoying and it brings everyone down and everyone gets, oh, because of this one person. So you can't have that, especially when you've really got, we, we had 20 days to film it in. So mm-hmm. you've got, you know, do five minutes of screen time every single day. So if you've got that right cast and crew that all get on together and just... You know, it's the biggest team sport that there is mm. film I think and to get everyone to work together and to enjoy it and to to want to to push that extra bit harder that's how you get it made and mm-hmm. that's how you can turn a, a small budget into a bigger budget by everyone wants to work that bit harder they, they don't mind doing it you know that bit quicker or, or what have you mm-hmm. you know the last, the last hour of the day by the way is always insane it's like Ben Hur in the morning and Benny Hill in the evening, isn't it? The amount you can get done in the last hour seems unbelievable. I don't know how you do it. But yeah. It's like you can get three scenes done in the last hour. Or, you know, it's always yeah. the way. Isn't it's always it the way. Isn't
0: weird it? in filmmaking why that happens. You, you, set, you set up the first few shots and you suddenly take forever. You, you have <laughs> to get and you suddenly all just sort of get it done. My exactly. thing on that is to try and plan your days cleverly so that you know the things at the end of the day can be easier things to shoot it's just and also uh, that's when you i feel that directors w- earn their money if you get any money for directing is that end of the day when you've got five minutes and you need to get
2: seven setups that's exactly. when you earn your money exactly. that's when but your brain goes into wildfire that, fire. Is, that <laughs> is true but that, that's also when you've got you've got to trust your actors and um, i was so fortunate to work with amazing actors i yeah. as a first-time director Getting good actors is just the biggest blessing on the planet because you don't have to be spending a huge amount of time going through things or trying to change their performances. Well, they just get it and they're, they're, they're bang on every single time. So mm. um, Tom Goodman Hill, for example, uh-huh. I, I remember one day we had like 10 minutes to do two scenes and he just did it one take each each time, each setup And it was just like, Nailed I it. love you. Thank you ever so much. You well, know well, I mean? that's it was it. amazing. If you c- cast well... You've you've yeah. done ninety five percent of your job exactly. You know the rest is tweaking, right? That, that, that's one of the things I did learn actually. Getting a great uh, we our casting director was called Shakira Dowling. Oh, well, she she's huge! Yes, yeah, she's,
0: she's, she's she's been she's on brilliant. the
2: podcast before. She came to some of our live events. Shakira's She's
0: amazing. great. She's absolutely cool.
2: yeah. she's she's brilliant. And I didn't realize before I was doing this how important a good casting director was. Mm. um I thought, oh well, maybe I could just you know email a few people and see if they'd be interested. But it wasn't until Alexandra said, no, you need to speak to Shakira. And it's like, yes, she is. It's it just amazing. So yeah, If if you're doing it for the first time, you need a good casting director. I think what people are frightened
0: of there is it costs money. Casting directors cost money, the good ones. And obviously when you're making an indie film and you've got no money, the last thing you want to do is go, hey, let's spend some of that on a casting director. But, as John says here, it's so important because if you cast well, you will save you a lot of time on set. Well, it'll,
2: it'll save you time, but it'll also... The investors will be more invested in you because that person that you've got is then more bankable to them than someone that you probably could have got because you haven't got the connections to go to all these agents whereas a good director has so the amount that it costs for her you get back 10 times over because Mm. of speed of of investors being you know comfortable that what you're going to be able to make it because if you think about it they're giving you all this money they have to be comfortable, that you know what you're doing. And especially as a first-time director or whatever, you have to be able to to finish the project and make it as good as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So as, if you can make them more comfortable in that process, then that's so much better because they kind of leave you alone to a certain extent. They, they have to yeah. hold the reins and say, what are we doing? What you know? How are we yep. doing it? They, they, they can sense that you have some modicum of knowledge of what you're doing. Well, let's talk
0: about that because you were a first time filmmaker in terms of making a feature and people do put that sadly they ignore your shorts and in a way so how did you persuade
2: your cast and crew to come on board. What is it you said? What? How did you pitch it? They they liked the script. That's obviously the first thing they look at. They look at their character. Yes, you know, an actor wants to have a good role and to see, they want to progress like everybody else. So if you can give them a good role that they can see a, a you know a good character arc or how they would look with this on their CV, they you know that would obviously interest them as well. Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, they they liked that um, and they liked the, the period. Um, and then I'll just. I got on Zoom or whatever it was and just chatted to them. So I was just talking to them about me and talked to them about them and what they were interested in. And A, to make sure that we would get on, you know, because there's nothing worse than not getting on with people, as I said before. Um, But B, that we were on the same page and that they were passionate about the film. If they know that you're confident in what you can do and you can show them that you're confident and that it will turn out all right, then they're much more likely to then yeah hopefully we'll get this or hopefully we'll do that and then they'll be like uh, uh, maybe not
1: yeah the other big collaboration you have on set as a director is with the DOP, and the below <laughs> looks amazing especially the the opening with the with the close-ups and then uh, when the men are sa- standing in the line and 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 how you move the camera and how you block the scenes. It, it, it was almost like music to me, and it has a, it had a really nice rhythm. So did you storyboard the film before? How was the collaboration with, with the DOP?
2: Well, our DOP was uh, a guy called Nick Cook, who is just the... A, he's the nicest guy on the planet, and B, he's just amazing. But what I did before I even met Nick is I'm one of these people that I have to prepare mm-hmm. 100% because I think if I didn't prepare, I'd have a heart attack when I was on set. I'm not one of these people <laughs> that could just... <laughs> Be on set and say, well, what should we do? What should mm-hmm. it look like? I know there are people and, and some people say, oh, well, it stifles your creativity if you're not like that. But for me, I can't. So because I'd taken so many location pictures when I was doing the, mm-hmm. the, the pre-production for, for the In picture, the stuff, and, I, yeah. I, exactly, I knew exactly what every set would look like. Mm -hmm. So I then, um, I've got a bit of software, which um, you can put your camera movements and and where actors will be and stuff. So I spent a lot of time going through blockings and thinking, would this work? How would I get this together? Um, So I did that first. um, Mm -hmm. And then I sent that to our storyboard artist, um, a guy called Andrew Lamb, who's brilliant. And he drew them up from my blockings and from the things that i'd already done i sent him the pictures as well so he'd know what it would look like so we did it that way i'd then when i met nick we chatted through how he wanted it to look and um i was really i kind of wanted desperately for anamorphic lenses because i just love anamorphics um and the ari mini is great it's got a four three gate on it so you can you can have the full sensor um with the anamorphics so he loved that and we went through colors and everything like that but he looked at the the blockings he looked at the storyboards and then we altered stuff if you know for Mm -hmm. me, he said this might not work for this or we've got this kind of kit so how can we do you know uh, we we had to have speed as well as Mm -hmm. cost when we were there on the day that's when we knew what we were going to do but Nick said actually if we just did this a little bit tighter a little bit this then it would make it even nicer so that's when you can get your creativity once you've got everything prepared you've then got time to be a bit more creative because you know what you're doing. There was no stress. Everyone was really happy and we could just have a fun time with it and actually enjoy ourselves because that's the most important thing is to have fun. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're the director, everybody takes their cue from you. Everyone's looking at at, at you to see how you're reacting. So if you're having fun, they're usually quite cool and calm. And if there's any problems, we just sort it. Whereas if you're angry or, or, or stressed out, everybody else becomes stressed out because for some reason, everybody takes a cue from you. Yeah. So that will actually waste <laughs> time. For some reason. <laughs> Did I? So, so, why are you looking at yeah. me for? Yeah, well, so, I don't know. You, you yeah. do it. <laughs> so so it's really important to actually enjoy yourself and yeah. to have fun. And at the end of the day, go around saying thank you to everybody for working really hard that day. And that makes them feel part of the team. And I've been a runner before. Mm-hmm. I've done, worked my way up through various things. I know what it's like to work the longest hours as a runner but never feel like you're valued or to never feel like someone cares what you do or say that so to go around and say thank you to people for a hard day's work and you know I can't do it without you thank you very very much for for all the work you've done today actually goes a really long way it's something that's extremely simple mm-hmm. but it makes people feel valued and feel, feel part of the, the team and that you're all doing this together it's not my film it's not the producer's film it's not the writer's film it's everybody's film and that's what you need to do yeah it's so important let's talk about
0: that feeling of making your feature the feeling inside of you because obviously you'd wanted this for 10 years and the difference between making a short and now suddenly doing the feature and it's you've written it you've helped raise the finance by doing what you do um talk us through what it felt like to be a feature film director and on set for those first few days which are always the sort of
2: most daunting and how it felt for you yeah it was it scary the first couple of you know the first couple of days i think once i got into it or once i was on set actually i wasn't scared i wasn't nervous i just wanted to get on and get it done and and you know go through all the steps because i knew we had it prepped out but before that obviously i was a bit scared um and you know i think everyone is nervous the first time you, you don't want to let i didn't want to let people down yeah i didn't yeah, want to yeah. let anyone down and that was my biggest worry it wasn't me messing up i just didn't want to let luis and and chris down and i didn't want to let the investors down didn't want to let the crew down so that was my biggest worry but once i'd actually seen the the we had a a a great editor robin um who every single day would edit together what we've been doing those scenes and stuff so you could watch them back and Mm say actually you know i'm really pleased with that so that was a great boost to actually have that rather than just rushes sitting there and being on hard drives to actually, be able to see what you've done in you know assembled together was brilliant because you could say, Yes, wow, okay, we're getting there, it looks good. I'm happy with what, what we're getting. And that was a real, real boost. Then we could say, okay, let's go on. If you let's, can let's do
0: it, on. it really is a brilliant thing because the crew see. Because when you're on set, you can get lost in the melee of everything. And a lot of crew aren't on set a lot of the time. They don't see the intricate details of a shot, why we're moving around this way. They don't see it because they're off doing other bits and pieces. So to put stuff together, it's like, even if it's at the end of the week or the start of the next week, if you can do it over the weekend, it's really hard on any films but if you can God the boost gives you it's
1: your well worth it. it's, it's well worth it. well really it. Is. Having made a brilliant first feature what are your learnings for your next one? A- anything you would never do again or anything you would definitely do again?
2: You always want more time and i (laughs) think whatever ever amount of time that you have been given you'd always want more always always. so it's one of those things that you say yes i would i'd love to have a bit of extra time uh, another few days to do this but you'll still probably do the same amount that you've already done i don't know it's one of those weird things isn't it i if, uh, if we had a bit more budget then i think getting a, a B cam would have been useful mm-hmm. um, to get just some extra things that you could think I could just throw in a, you know, a nice shot here or something there um, that would have been useful, but there's nothing that I think, Oh no, we completely mm-hmm. messed that up or, or, yeah. or, or what have you. Um, I think moving forward, it's re- reaffirmed that you have to have the right team. That's mm-hmm. one of the most important things ever. You know, there's, there's lots of little things you, you have to, take a decision make decisions so if you ever talk about people that are directing trust your instincts and don't feel that you're going to get it wrong there's no right or wrong so mm-hmm. just trust your decision and stick with your decision if i remember one of the, the art department there was like 10 different pens and they <laughs> said, which pen do you want i said oh, i don't i don't mind no, you know, <laughs> do <laughs> yeah so yeah make make decisions. there yes. is no right or wrong yeah. just Pick it just and choose. say, right, that's yeah. what I want. So yeah, be decisive. You've got you've got to enjoy it. You know, it's one of those things that you'll remember forever. You know? A yeah. hundred. So <laughs> the torture, the just, pain, just, just enjoy it. You know, there are good bits and bad bits. Well, let's talk
0: about the you know the the explosions here and filming underground, the look of filming underground because you've got the two sides to this of the outside and the war coming down. And I just wanted to touch on. How you, because it does look brilliant. And obviously, it'd be really interesting to talk about your VFX side there, how much you added to these explosions with the, that were there. And I also want to touch on how you filmed in confined spaces, because that's difficult. So I suppose a, a combination of the two, go for
2: it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for those two Good questions. Luck. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's <right. laughs> For the explosions and stuff side. Yeah. Majority of it was VFX. We couldn't afford, yeah. unfortunately, a lot of the big explosions that you'd have in the bigger budget movies. Wow, well they um, look incredible, mate. Well done. That's, that's, I mean that's very wow. kind. Thank you. Um yeah, so there was a uh, beforehand, again, you know, the run-up to it, I was experimenting with with different software and things. And but actually in the post-production, the software I thought I was gonna use didn't end up working out because the, the computer actually melted because it was just trying to do it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
1: it <was> trying, the <laughs>
2: graphics cards in that, that just, just, yeah, they just kind of melted. So I had Shit. to get a different, a different Mac, and then so I changed software to one called Houdini, which is yes. a fantastic bit of software. Okay. But I hadn't, I hadn't actually used it before, so I had to learn how to use it. So the majority was. VFX, but what I always take from VFX, I always notice the scenes that are pure VFX and I always hate those scenes. And mm. there's a couple of them that I, I, I just don't like them because I can just tell that they're pure VFX. But to mix VFX with live action plates always mm. looks an awful lot better. And you can get away with stuff much, much better. So if anyone's thinking about just doing VFX shots on green screens, I would say probably don't. Try and get action plates and then move your camera around the action plates, then you can track it and you can add either, you know, stock VFX or you can make your own VFX, depending how close you are and things like that. You can mix and match. You know, Nuke does amazing things with projections. If you've got a great map painter, Mm -hmm. you can, you know, you can put projections in there and it always looks an awful lot better. Than, especially you know, unless you're doing like a sci-fi film, I suppose you know that kind of superhero kind of thing, which you can get away with it because people know that it's fake and they know that you know it, it, all these things aren't real. If you're trying to do an action film, oh, no, set in normal yeah. time, if you know yeah. what I mean, yeah, um, then yes, try and just do an uh, get the proper plates and then just add VFX to it. I always find that much better. So, so I, I try to do as much of that as humanly possible. There were things, some things that didn't work, some that did. Some that's probably still got mistakes, but people don't notice. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be 100% perfect on every single shot because there's things that people won't notice mm-hmm. and that you can spend a week and a half doing something just to get that one pixel right or that little bit of tracking right. And then you can play it to someone and play the one that took a day and they wouldn't notice the difference, <laughs> well, even true, though the track's true. slightly off or something. So yeah. you don't have to be perfect with things. Just, just you know try your best with getting it as as good as as possible but remember you haven't got all the time in the world to do stuff no, so you, you have but, to keep moving it along but because you knew what you were doing therefore you could plan it properly and I suppose that's
0: what's important like there's the, for instance there's a shot in the trenches early on um where there's an explosion which you know not a spoiler but does kill someone and I, I was really fascinated by that that you're telling me now that that was a lot in vfx because yes that yes. was i totally i thought you'd had an explosion there and a stuntman diving out the way etc no no <laughs> i
2: said most, most were yeah wow. vfx but i mean again it's one of those things as long as you're in you know, matching colors you're matching the kind of you know you're getting the majority there that that shot i actually don't like personally myself because I, I can see where <laughs> I could have done better.
0: Yeah, Is this one of these we spent a week and a half on and no one noticed?
1: I'm going to rewatch that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially.
0: Put it on Twitter. Yeah, was there anything on when you were shooting it now, or tips to when people are shooting where they have got nothing real but they need to put an explosion in? Is there anything they should do within camera apart from the things you said that would be useful? I mean if
2: you can do things in camera they will look better and yeah. i won't say that they won't because they will use vfx to add to it but if mm-hmm. you can get a you know explosion especially near the camera it's mm-hmm. extremely hard to get the volume correct and the physics correct right near the camera that's when you will notice it further away you can use 2d stock footage if you want because you don't get that depth whereas you will right near the camera so that is very important if you can get Know, swirling dust and stuff near the camera then great the only problem is and we, we had this problem once or twice is when you've got a lot of fog or something mm-hmm. in there it's hard to integrate stuff a lot because you it's not like you've got a green screen you can just key it out right. so so that that's you know you have to do some testing with that kind of thing it's, it's doable but you have to do some testing with that kind of thing but a lot of people will keep it very clean and then just have, it can put a, a green screen behind and, and then see. shoot it. So there's all different ways. Yeah, but that's interesting with fog because often
0: when you're on set, you want to add fog because obviously it makes whatever lights you've got sparkle and bits and pieces. And you don't want it to look naff on set, especially exactly, when it's exactly. a big explosion. You might have, yeah. you know, your execs coming down to watch at that point. So you want yeah. it to look amazing. But then yeah. like you've just said that actually now you might have an issue in post with the vfx because now you've got a, yeah you've got
2: fog in front but it, of again your it, it depends how close the 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 explosion is to the camera or i mean there's one that we we had a lot of fog uh, but the explosion was in the background so you could bring the camera on it you know up so that it was lighter so it would match the kind of fog mm. and then I, I would take a bit of stock footage of fog which was already keyed which yep. i already had and I could layer that on top of the explosions, so it kind of then would match. And because it's quick, I and mean, you know, you won't again, you won't notice. won't notice. So that's kind of like the way we did it. So again, it's 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 a lot of compositing, a lot of color matching, and and you know, testing that it will actually look as as good as possible. Really.
0: And the same with your debris as well. Or did you, were you throwing debris, however you say, it, onto people? The bits.
2: Yes, the there rubble. was quite a, a number of them that were. Again, Houdini particles, um, like when there's one where a guy's, uh, there's a sniper that goes to shoot him and it sprays mm-hmm. debris over him and stuff. That was 100% VFX. No way. Have oh, that. mate, it's impressive. But, you know, but there are other things that, you know, uh, we had a, a, a special effects guy there, Alan, who was, who was great. And there were certain things that he could do in the tunnels, especially, that could drop... Again, it was to add stuff. So he could drop things, but no, there might not be enough volume, so then I could add more particles and stuff to to add to the effect. Cause again, that's gonna be it's always gonna be better. If you can do stuff, just do it, and then you could add to it afterwards and that's gonna be much much better, and in, in the tunnels that works well because it's quite dark as well, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that would lead you on to the second question that
0: I asked. Uh, <laughs> segway, great segue, mate. Well done. You should host. Uh, is uh, is about yeah the, the tunnels and filming in confined yeah. spaces. Now I've seen some brilliant behind the scenes photos where actually you'd. You built a set where it looked like you were filming from outside the room, so actually you had space. But I imagine there were some times where you were also
2: in. Talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, um, we've got our production designer called Caroline Steiner. She was Mm, brilliant. She's Um, great. She designed it so that it wouldn't look the same because we only had a small stage and we could only have a small budget to, to make them. But we knew that if you kept saying the same bit again and again and again, people would go, Oh, it's we're just back here thing. again. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So with the lighting um, and with the with the design, we had to do it that there'd be some straight bits or there'd be some dips so we could put some water in or there would be some curves that would look different from a different angle. Or there was a hole that we could shoot through the hole. So to try and get as many variations as we, we possibly could, but in a small area. She then made these cutouts in the sides so that we could be inside the tunnel with them but then she made cutouts which could be taken out of the sides. Mm. Um, and then we could shoot from outside, Sh- through them, yep. through the, into it. And then once we finished that, you just put the cutout back in. So you've got so much variation within it that it was much, especially when we're shooting with anamorphics, mm-hmm. you get a bit more space as well. So... So that was great. Impressive, very clever. And I like the way you described it as well. It's very simple uh,
0: and and clear for us as well. Cause it's always hard sometimes with a podcast to describe how you, you know, yeah. did the sets <laughs> and created it. So yeah, I, you know, that's, it's really cool. Really interesting as well, how you've done that. Um, all right, cool. So now you've, you've, you've got your movie and you've done all your wonderful VFX yourself in your bedroom, I imagine. Um, <laughs> <what> <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much,
2: pretty <laughs> much. Pretty much, right?
0: <laughs> That's how we do things these days. Exactly. How did you then get the film? out because obviously you've got your team producers but you know this is this is quite a big splash you know it's getting four star reviews across the board if not more you know it's doing really well
2: yeah i mean we uh chris and Louis spoke to it was the international sales agent called amp film uh, mm-hmm. in london um and he sent them an early copy of it would it, it, spoken to them beforehand and they said lot, you know yeah, if it if it's, looks decent and stuff, then we'll, we'll have a look at it. Um, but they knew the budget, so they were kind of like, mm, okay, whatever. But when they saw it, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, we're more interested. So we'll go and see how, you know, what buyers we could, we could get kind of thing. What's the reaction been for you? Because,
0: like I said, we talked about this when we started this podcast about how your film's out there and, yeah, like a withering balloon at times where it's just like, oh, how how do you pick yourself up as a filmmaker from that? And it is a disappointment. It doesn't matter how great your reviews are. It doesn't matter what's happening. You can't help but have this, oh, it's over, but it's not over because it's, it's not your yeah. movie anymore. It's a public exactly. movie. You know? Exactly. How do you pick yourself up? How do you say, it's all right. I'm
2: doing well. I can do another movie. What do you do? What's, what goes through your mind or has? I know when people are doing their first one, they want everything to be great. But you've got to remember that some people, like any bit of, art or anything else. Some people will like it. Some people will not like it. You have to take that on board and know beforehand that will happen. Some people will like 1917. Some people love 1917. Some people absolutely hate 1917. You will always have the two sides. So don't expect or don't get down if someone doesn't like it. It doesn't Mm. matter. Someone else will... Love it so you know. I've seen a a couple of people that my friends that are first time and they got really down about it afterwards because they said, "Well, I didn't get as many reviews as I wanted." I said, "Look, it's the way it is. Not everyone's going to like everything. Not everyone's going to hate everything. Everyone has their personal opinions. Don't take it to heart. They don't ever put it on you. It's not it's not you that they're reviewing. It's a it's a film, or you know, they don't see the people behind it. So." You know always take that on board and
1: many people don't share their opinion as well like you never know who you're inspiring um mm. out there in the world right because it's out there it's it's in the internet it's available everywhere at a certain point
2: exactly exactly i mean you, you do you get you get you get some people that will either on instagram or whatever that say oh i absolutely loved it that you know it was, it was great and then you'll get people that are just like oh what, what's this yeah you know, or, the, or the, the history's slightly wrong, or something, you get like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. the, the historians yeah. say, oh, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Or like, oh, oh, there's nothing
0: worse. But Toby, you've got a great point there. I think we forget, when most people, like ourselves, when we watch something, we very rarely go write a nice review. We should, by the way, and shout out to anyone who does that, and indie filmmakers listening, go support your fellow indie filmmakers and write a nice review if it you does, have watched that. It does, make a, it does honestly, make a difference. Honestly, for us, it's huge, yeah. and people, you'd love it, so do the same. But the amount of people who don't do that, and that's what you've got to remember when people are annoyed with something they'll go write a shitty review oh this was shit i hated it so we get a lot of that we see a lot on amazon we see a lot of these shitty reviews and people being dicks but actually so many people loved it they just don't put a review out hence why exactly. of INGB yeah. scores are low is because
2: it's people who are angry go on there and go no i'm giving this three stars fuck you don't take it to heart they don't mean it personally maybe they just don't like that kind of film or maybe there was something that they saw that was inaccurate in it and they're a his you know, historian or yeah. geography wasn't right or, you know, I remember from Forrest Gump people were saying well it didn't happen in that order or yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so. What? It's
0: a good story, shut up. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Wow, what a fascinating and insightful episode. Uh, thank you, John. That was Thank really you guys great. very really much. Sorry, really it. Really nice tips. You, yeah. Yeah. I love rambles. <laughs> yeah. you know what I love rambles. Tell me, mean? that's what I do. That's the podcast of rambles. <laughs> yeah. That's the podcast of rambling. Like, should we call the filmmakers Ramble? <laughs> 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 Name change. <laughs> <Just> do, <it. laughs> do you have your socials where people can find you? I did try and find you on Twitter, I, but I, I
1: couldn't.
2: I honestly don't
1: um, no, I, have, no. I,
2: I think it's JP Watts underscore film I think that wouldn't make sense I'm going to tell you yeah.
0: now it is JP underscore Watts underscore film ah. I say I
2: was almost there but
0: <laughs> yeah. <if> you are, <laughs> you've almost got some followers <laughs> I know almost let's not
2: go that far <laughs> uh,
0: if you do want to follow uh, John then do go there he's on his Instagram we'll try and put that in the show notes hey Toby's doing this so he's the what else? Put <laughs> yeah. it in now.
1: Uh, and Toby, where can people find you? At Tobias feast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Is it not V's Tobias? Oh have you changed it now? No, on Twitter, because there is a Tobias Feast on Twitter, I think, who stole my awesome. name. Yeah.
2: So you're the same as me, you'd have to be T. Yeah, yeah. It's like Feast, literally the yeah.
1: only other Tobias Fees in the world, I think. And yeah, he's twenty years older than me and so he obviously stole it. There's one other Giles Alderson yeah. in the world. It's so annoying, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He's into business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tobias Fees as well.
0: What what the fuck? Fuck? <laughs> yeah. he hates me <laughs> uh, i'm at Charles alderson on on all the uh, social so you can find me there and do follow the podcast if you're not already you can find us any social media we have so much information there we're constantly talking about films and updates and sending things yeah. out so do follow us and find us and retweet our stuff it's really important retweet this episode thank john so much on his instagram page uh and really thank you for listening remember you you can go out there and make your indie film you can make your world war one film you can make your sci-fi huge film if you want but know who your audience is and go out there and do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well
1: send the elevator
0: back down Woo-hoo! john watts thank you so much for your time the world below is out now go support go watch this is how to make indie film It's brilliant. Go find it. Links to it will be in the show notes and we'll be promoting it all week. So you have no excuses. You will find it. John, you're a star. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Cool. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next Tuesday as always. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.